0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.
1: A letter turned deadly. I'm Jason Horton.
0: I'm Rebecca Lieb. And
1: this is Ghost Town.
2: I've been observing your house and know you have children. This is no joke.
0: Please take it serious.
2: I love a good like small town drama, like mystery. Everyone is again. I I think about the Twilight Zone episode where the aliens, it's like aliens come to something in Mayberry Street. This is a good way. This is a good lead. Forgetting the title of a famous Twilight Zone episode where, where the whole town turns on each other. You know, and it's like they think it's something externally and it's it's them. It's all inside of them. And they wreck each other. I love a story like that.
1: So, And that could, that really, it's like a, the pressure cooker of a small town is yeah. the best place for that. Exactly, the, the things are spread out. I think some of the best, obviously, you know, even true crime stories mm-hmm. are a small town because everyone sort of seems to know each other. Yeah. Instead of something really, really spread the out. The
2: anonymity of a big city it's, it is its own thing. Like yeah. that's its own mystery, its own... Like
1: yeah, getting chewed up in the big allure.
2: city. Yeah. But small town, it's like, you know, everyone, you know, their relatives, you went to school with them. They're your mailman, your hair cutter, your grocer. Like that's the fun, psychological, crazy shit that I love. And it's like, who done it? So I am going to bring you the story of Circleville, Ohio, the place where people were getting mailed letters Telling them about their fate and their most intimate secrets, and people fucking died. Whoa! Yeah, you ready?
1: So they got it's like doxing, but like pre-internet. I'm guessing. Yeah, so,
2: yeah. This is this is very pre-internet. Not super. I mean, again, it's uh, it's the '70s through the '90s. Oh yeah. So nice. people, no smartphones. We're not talking like flip phones. We're not talking sidekicks. We're not even talking like a butt, like a beeper, buzzer, pager, pager. They both those. Are- yeah. If you're a doctor, I, 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 it's
1: maybe it's a beeper. If you're a drug dealer, it's a like pager. I don't Dixie know. Dixie
2: cups with a string. Yeah. I don't know. None of that shit. We just had basic landlines and a will to keep living that was being threatened. I love it. I know. It's going to be great. Um, so let me just introduce you first to the cast of characters, shall I? First, we have Mary Gillespie. She's the town bus driver and philanderer. She coquettish. Where is she going? What's she doing? Well, she's certainly not hanging out with her husband. Ron Gillespie, nice guy, upstanding citizen. Then there is uh, Karen and Paul Freshour, Ron's sister and brother-in-law. They get in the mix too. Oh, they get in the mix. And there's Gordon Massey, who is the superintendent of the local high school. And guess what? He's having sex with Mary Gillespie. Huh? Oh boy! Didn't
1: oh yeah. I see that coming.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and then there's Sheriff Radcliffe, who is the Circleville sheriff. So, know these people, now you, you, you get your tool belt, and now let's get into it. I'm going to take you to 1976, Circleville, Ohio.
1: It's the, was it the Bicentennial, or was it the, hmm? It's Bicentennial, 1976, it was 200 years of the United States. Oh,
2: yeah, yeah, you're right. That was a big 1776? year, yeah, yeah, that was a, yeah. Uh, yeah. That, that doesn't have thing. much to do with the story, but...
1: I just like to, I just like to reference the United States of America. Oh, wow. What a patriot. Oh, I know. (laughs) Oh, today only though.
2: (laughs) It's like a flag waving behind you. All right. So now you guys have that info. Ohio residents began receiving strange letters detailing personal information about their lives. Again, Mary Gillespie, bus driver, accused of supposedly not having a non-existent affair with the superintendent of the schools. And he was like, intended of all the schools, too. The writer of this letter, so she received this letter, told Mary that he or she had been observing her house and knew that she had children. It was postmarked Columbus, Ohio, but had no return address. Within eight days, Mary received a similar letter. She kept the letters to herself until her husband, Ron, received one also. The letter stated that if Ron did not stop his wife's affair, his life would be in danger. Can you imagine just like, uh, hey, I got this letter about my my life being in danger because you're having sex with someone. They this is also like a very Midwestern thing in the Midwest. You don't talk about stuff like this. If it's if there's any disgrace happening, anything, you keep it under wraps, you keep it under layers and layers of guilt and shame and public politeness. That's just the Midwestern way. So this story is it's
1: blowing no wide difference.
2: open. Yeah, Yeah, it is. This letter is like a modern day gossip girl, you know, where it's like, OK, well, nothing is safe. So after two weeks, the writer threatened to go public with the affair allegations, broadcasting it on TV, CBS radio, or CB radios, not CBS radios.
1: That, that's that's pretty big syndication. For yeah, this. yeah, it's
2: pretty uh, a lot of Circleville heat and billboards. They're also like, it will also go on a billboard. Kind of like that Mary, three, billboard, Ron, three billboards movie. Yeah, yeah, it's one terrifying billboard in Circleville, Ohio. Oscar now? Anyone? Yeah. silence. Oh, okay. Crickets? Nope. Okay. Okay. Moving on. Mary and Ron only told three people about the letters. Ron's sister, her husband Paul, and Paul's sister. So those are the, where the fresh hours come in. And I can't tell if it's fr- free shower, fresh hour, whatever. I'm saying fresh hour because that's a cool name. Mary had some ideas about who might be sending the letters. They decided to have Paul write letters to the suspect, claiming that they know who he or she was. So this seems like a pretty bad plan. Just an in-law writing letters back. So, But it did seem to work. The plan happened. He wrote these, like, threatening letters back to the person. And we know and it's he? No, we don't know that's he. Okay. So I'm just using he or she, or she kind of interchangeably. Like but they would just yeah. write the letter, put it like in the mailbox where they got the letters, and the letters were taken. So they were, this is also very creepy because they were being watched clearly. You know, all of this was being monitored by somebody, and they didn't know where, when, or how. But the letters stopped for several weeks. That changed on August 19th, 1977. Ron received a phone call from the alleged writer. Yeah thickens we got a voice the call seemed to confirm ron's suspicions on the identity of the writer he grabbed his gun and then left his pickup truck even though the writer claimed to be watching the truck a few minutes later ron was found dead in his pickup truck crashed into a tree whoa yeah ron gillespie crossed that name off
1: and he was the one he was the one who had the like he's the only one who had the information yes yeah he died with him it's hard
2: to know yeah it died with him and he thought he knew who it was but he didn't tell he wasn't like i'm going out to my truck to figure this out. He was like, huh? Not minimal information. Went to his truck. Dead. Damn. Right? Wow, okay. Woo. Investigators later learned that Ron had fired at least one shot from his gun before crashing. Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe questioned and eliminated at least one suspect in the case. He then ruled Ron's death as an accident, claiming that he lost control and crashed while driving drunk. I don't know where the timeline is of the gun being fired, but I don't know, Sheriff. I don't know if i buy it. Several residents soon received letters stating that Sheriff Radcliffe had been involved in a cover-up. According to Paul, Sheriff Radcliffe initially agreed that the death was a result of foul play. However, he allegedly changed his mind when the suspect passed a polygraph test. Ron's blood alcohol level was a 0.16, which was twice the legal limit. However, many of Ron's friends and family were surprised by this. They never knew him to be a heavy drinker. Did someone oh. just ply him with alcohol, put a gun, like... What is happening, and how is the sheriff involved, and why would he cover it up? It's a setup. Mary mm. mm. and the superintendent later acknowledge their relationship. Finally, although they claim that it didn't start until after the letters were sent, which everyone knows, like the best aphrodisiac or like love happening is threatening letters. In February of 1983, Mary was harassed along her bus route. The letter writer apparently began placing threatening signs next to the road. He, he is hitting, or she is hitting on all media. You know, we're getting phone calls. It's escalating. Getting billboards. We're getting letters. Exactly. One day, Mary had enough and decided to go and rip one of the signs down. When she did, she discovered a booby trap designed to kill her. A booby trap! This story has everything! The trap had a box which contained a small pistol, like a tiny lady pistol. If Mary had pulled the sign off a certain way, the gun would have fired. Isn't this I mean, not, like, insane?
1: Because the thing is, is that this person who did it must have assumed that she... What if it was, like, some, like a, somebody was like, oh, I don't want to... This is a dumb sign. I'm going to pull this off. Like, a, a, a bystander.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and all... Yeah, the sign was just left up there until she... They knew that she was finally going to kind of get sick of it and do something to the sign versus anyone else in that tiny town.
1: Yeah, I... But I just wonder, like, if it didn't go as planned, like if somebody else decided to pull. A no,
2: signal. I mean, it already didn't. But yeah. Why? How did they assume that nobody else would have tampered with the sign? That would have been even more interesting, though, if some other random person had been roped into this thing.
1: I don't know. Well, people are, you know, when we talk about being polite. Maybe there's mm-hmm. like, hey, it's not my sign. Not my sign. It's not about me. It threatens this it woman.
2: It's but like, that's their business. It's yeah. not our it's business. It's still a sign. Oh, this is so. The story is so quintessentially Midwestern in the worst way. So an amateur an attempt was made to rub off the serial number on the gun. When lab tests were able to raise the number, it was determined that the gun had belonged to Paul Freshhour, her this tiny mother-in-law, OK. who recently separated from Ron's sister. Paul, however, claimed that the gun had been stolen. On February 25th, 1983, Sheriff Radcliffe asked Paul to meet with him and take a handwriting test. He asked Paul to try and copy the handwriting from the letters. The sheriff also had him write letters while repeating them verbally. After the test, Paul took Sheriff Radcliffe to his garage and showed him where he kept his gun. The two returned to the courthouse, where Paul was arrested and charged with attempted murder. October 24th, 1983, he went on trial for the attempted murder of Mary Gillespie. So we got a suspect. Do we believe it? Hard to say. Is the motive there? Exactly. Yeah, that's
1: what I, you know. Why?
2: And also, like, again, what does the sheriff, what's up with this guy? I feel like as I was researching this, I was like, this, this ain't right. This guy is too meddling, involved in these things, thinking that the first death in the truck was just him being drunk. I don't know. Although he was never charged with with writing the letters at all, they became a crucial part of the evidence against him. A handwriting expert testified that Paul was the letter writer. Mary also testified that she believed that he was the writer after his wife visited her with the same suspicion. Paul's boss also testified that he was not at work on the day that the booby trap was found. Although, again, it was just hiding there. So that doesn't really mean anything to me.
1: Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that alibi is like...
2: Mm-hmm. But Paul had an alibi for most of the day. But he never took... He never told this in his defense. Proclaiming his innocence, he was convicted and was given a seven to 24 year sentence. While there, he himself received letters from the writer determined to keep him there. The letters keep coming. Or was he writing his own letters to himself?
1: Yeah, or is it a copycat? Or yeah. is it, you know, is there somebody else involved? To you know, to be like, hey, start writing some, hey, send out some letters. So yeah, it takes the heat off of me. Other
2: people that maybe are but, vindictive. You know, he
1: had an alibi, but he's just like, you know what? I have not going to use it. I'm like, why gonna, would you use it though? You know what? I'm t- seven to twenty four years. I'd rather. This- oh, I'll wait it out. I mean, what like what was something was like quiet, so embarrassing? Midwestern you know? man. Yeah.
2: yeah, I don't know. But other letters came to other people while he was in jail, postmarked from Columbus, even though he was in prison elsewhere, and he was in solitary confinement too, which sucks. And, and the, so- you know,
1: I guess the handwriting was the same.
2: Yeah they didn't say. So according to the blog that trail went cold, this is why Paul was perhaps innocent. And this is a big, this is really like, it's already so insane, but all this stuff like kind of adds up and kind of doesn't. So this is why Paul may have been innocent. Even though Sheriff Radcliffe told the press that Paul had confessed to writing around 40 to 50 threatening letters, Paul denied this and said that if he actually made such a confession, why didn't Radcliffe record it? Paul's fingerprints were not found on the letters gun or booby trap. A search of Paul's house failed to turn up any more corroborating evidence, such as ammunition for the gun or material which could have been used to construct the signs of booby trap. Mary Gillespie testified that shortly after her divorce, Paul's ex-wife Karen confided in her that she believed Paul might have been the author of the threatening letters that she had received years earlier. Paul's response was, if Karen really believed I had done this, why did she never mention it to me in divorce court? So if they got a divorce, she'd be like, he's a fucking crazy letter writer. I need to be away from him. But she never mentioned that when they were getting their divorce. Even though Paul was not working on the day Mary found the threatening sign and booby trap, he had an alibi witness who placed him at his home between 1230 p.m. and 430 p.m. The prosecution responded with a surprise rebuttal witness who testified that he saw the sign along Mary's route between 1130 a.m. and 12 p.m. that day, but never noticed the police and no other witnesses reported seeing the sign before Mary found it at 330. So interesting, even though she said that the sign was there for a while, and it was bothering her. Hmm. Years later, it was discovered that a key piece of evidence was withheld at trial. 20 minutes before Mary discovered the booby trap, another school bus driver driving that route reported seeing a yellow El Camino parked at that spot, along with a sandy-haired man who did not match Paul's description. He did match the description of another man Karen Freshour was dating at the time, even though Paul did not own an, an El Camino, Karen's brother did. It's a whole family affair. It's family. It's philandering, it's bus drivers, it's sheriffs. Shoe prints were also found at the scene which did not match Paul's shoe size. After Paul was incarcerated at, in prison, a bunch of more anonymous threatening letters signed by the Circleville writer, so now he had like a name, like a fun flashy name, started being mailed to people all over central Ohio. Nobody in Ohio is safe. Even though the letters were postmarked from Columbus, which was 90 miles away from where he was in jail in Lima, Ohio, Sheriff Radcliffe became convinced Paul was somehow sending the letters from prison. In response, Paul was placed in solitary confinement, denied access to writing materials, and was constantly monitor. monitored, but the letters kept being sent. The warden maintained that it, he could have not written any letters from solitary confinement. Absolutely not. And he was denied parole at his first hearing in December 1990, so this has been going on for a while. A few days later, Paul was mailed an anonymous letter mocking him for this. How many people could be involved in this, really?
1: And if all the handwriting's the same, yeah, people like, well, do we have the wrong... Person? Yeah.
2: And they don't really talk about the handwriting. Like in my research, much after that, after the conviction of Paul Freshour, he did get paroled in May 1994. So that's a long time in prison for something he may not have done. With the support of an investigative journalist, the Circleville Letters case wound up being featured on Unsolved Mysteries. But while the show was working on the story, their office received an anonymous postcard signed by the Circleville writer, which read, forget Circleville, Ohio, do nothing to hurt Sheriff Ratcliffe. If you come to Ohio, you El sickos will pay. Translate that for me. (laughs) So basically, the Circleville writer. So Unsolved Mysteries have like some production office, right? right. Some like shit production hole. Some, you know, like in a storage unit in Circleville, Ohio. And they get a letter that are like, hey, how about get out of here? You guys are going to pay if you do a thing on me. Signed, love, XOX, the Circleville writer. You said El Sico? El Sico's. Is that yeah. just a fun, flashy? I don't yeah, know what that's that means. A, El Camino? Was, El Sico? Tra- yeah. I don't know. I don't
1: know if that's just the way that, that's what I was like translated from. No. Like El oh, Sico. okay. I was like, is that, <laughs> is that
2: fun youth slang from 1994? No. Anyone from 1994 respond to this? Who uses El Sicos? I was a dad
1: of six in 1994.
2: So. <laughs> <You I laughs> probably ask can't remember. When your kids. Exactly. Paul Freshhour mm-hmm. attempted to clear his name and wrote a letter to the FBI asking them to investigate Ron Gillespie's death, but nothing ever came of it, and he passed away in 2012. A lot of people think that it was a frame-up job orchestrated by Karen Freshour in response to the, her and Paul divorce, Paul's divorce. like, So Karen dating this guy who was in El Camino with sandy Hare during the booby trap. Maybe he was involved. So they think it was her. Paul's gun was hidden in his garage after Paul went to prison. Karen regained custody of their children in the house. So things went pretty it's well motive, for her. Motive, motive, motive. It's suspected that the original series of letters from 1977 were written by a man named David Longberry, a school bus driver who worked alongside Mary Gillespie and was angry that she, would, she had rebuffed his romantic advances. The plot continues to thicken.
1: Because when it's a small town, mm-hmm. everyone has the information. Yeah. So it can be,
2: yeah, you know. Exactly. So let's take a little break and we'll get back to Longberry and some other intrigue. Oh, I like that.
0: Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Back. Yeah, and we are we are, back. we
1: are back. We are
2: here. We are back. How's everyone feeling?
1: I have something that's not a mystery at all. Oh. Some nice messages like from nice messages. people on Instagram. Oh. That's always nice, right? Yeah. We have Drew... Aldridge, He's like,
2: oh, you know what? He is a friend of mine's ex-boyfriend.
1: Is it really? Yeah, I've never met him. Okay. about a week ago at age 36, I was eating a wedge of cheese like an apple on my walk back from Trader Joe's where I purchased it. I feel seen. (laughs) Love the show. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Thank you for the podcast excellence twice a week. Oh now we gotta keep doing it twice a week, I guess. Oh no. Like the Friday How episodes. How <laughs> We love Friday fails, though. We
2: do, we do. We Friday love for fails
1: them. are are fun. Yeah,
2: we love our meat and potatoes, but we love our dessert
1: afterwards. Yeah, our candy. Mm-hmm. Single underscore together. Mm-hmm. Hey, I've been listening since day one. I keep meaning to send y'all a nice. Day message. one.
2: Oof, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> been
1: just kind of just trudging along Rough. with us. Send y'all a nice <laughs> message and follow y'all and stuff. But you know, procrastination, so here it goes. I love y'all's podcast the snippets about dating life. The Thank band- you. Are, yeah. That's single together <laughs> the like, only person. Moving on. That, she's the only one. <laughs> the funny approach and weird and oftentimes a wee bit depressing topics. I love it all so much. You've helped me through many a traffic jam and insomniac night. Keep mm-hmm. on keeping on and producing amazing content. If you do ever do a show in Texas, come to Fort Worth or Austin. We I drive four get to hours. I drive four hours to see you, which uh
2: Four hours, no more, no less.
1: Yeah, I thought that was that was pretty nice. Yeah.
2: yeah. That is really nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sorry hours. we're a wee bit depressing with the murders and cannibalism and other blights on the human existence yeah but it's, part of, it's all part of the experience baby Probably also real
1: quick because i know everyone loves this part where sitting in <laughs> front of us a whole bunch of ghost town enamel pins
2: you're that yeah, yeah. pins it could be anything
1: but they're great they're limited time uh if you go limited. to patreon.com slash ghost town pod mm-hmm. you get the pin we're crunching numbers where we're probably not going to make any money on the pins No, with we're, the we're mailing and shipping. Always, we're yeah. probably going to be losing money no big deal but care. Patreon helps us with some of the editing mm-hmm. submitting stuff to festivals some marketing yeah. stuff so if you want to support get two bonus episodes a month mm-hmm. you know to do it up
2: yeah and they are fun yeah we promise fun and money loss. so
1: send us a message you know Instagram ghost town pod and mm-hmm. patreon.com slash ghost town pod to get a sweet Pin. Mm-hmm.
2: It, we're not even, they are so cool and so sweet. They
1: are actually, they came out really. Yeah, I was, they came out really
2: well. We were both very impressed. I was
1: winging it. Yeah. The pins are better than the show.
2: Yes. What would you say? like A lot are, of things are better than the show. Yeah. Let's just get that out there. The pins are These better. These pins deliver yeah. in that way. And, and it, so if you like, if you have a jean jacket that needs some adorning, like we're here for you. Yeah.
1: It's just like real funky. It's the, you know, you know what it is with the yeah, green looks good. Exactly. It's like green a nice. The
2: compliments everybody. Yeah. Everybody's complexion. You'll bring out
1: your eyes.
2: Yeah, ears, your mouth, lips, money, hips, yeah. fingertips. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you'll bring out that sweet, sweet cash. Yeah, we want it. We yeah, <laughs> we do want it. We and then we have an episode it. on Fridays for the time, at yeah. least for now. We like that, like fail based stuff. So if you want to like just hear about some. I'd say misfortune. They're not always super yeah. tragic and they're not always like kind of on topic of what we're talking about. They sort of are in they, the world. They
2: really are because I think a lot of what we talk about with the places that we go to are failures, human failures, yeah. architectural failures, historical failures. So we kind of take it to the next level. They're really lighthearted. They'll bring you into the weekend. They'll keep you going. Yeah. You know? It might be your Feed whole weekend. You. Yeah. Spiritually. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's get back to Circleville. Circleville. Yeah. Let's let's figure out what hap- what's happening in Circleville. So they thought it was this other guy, right? David Longberry, who was a bus driver who worked with Mary Gillespie, who he hit on her. She was not having it. And so he went ballistic. Now, he was a wanted fugitive after a rape charge and committed suicide while on the run. So we will not know
1: the truth about that. I mean, but could, you know, in 2019, if you wanted to, could you go back? And look at those, you know, even the handwriting Mm -hmm. samples. Yeah. I went to a
2: a Lava lecture, which is LA Visionaries Association, and they do these true crime lectures and they talk about the technology involved and how you can get kind of go back. But I think like with DNA and stuff like this, where this is just like just on the precipice of DNA technology. And if you had something and they were in the system, you could go back retroactively and see if things match. But I don't think that they had a lot of stuff, especially in the small town. I don't think they collected a lot of things. Go back
1: to his high school and look through some of his, mm-hmm. you know, term papers. Yeah, if they were hand, you know, whatever he has handwritten. I mean, that's just, you know, listen. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm – are gonna crack this case. I watch Mindhunter. so you know what I mean. I'm pretty <laughs> yeah. much, uh, pretty much. Yeah, you're LAPD. Yeah, pretty much. It's better. Them up. <laughs> better. Exactly.
2: But. That would have been a great helicopter cue.
1: I know. Where is it? Where's our helicopter? It's,
2: yeah, yeah, it's kind of boring. It's a, yeah. it's a quiet evening in Los Angeles. No helicopters. Anyway, so we don't know about him. We don't know what's going to happen. Interesting side note. Horrible end to a horrible person. But it's possible that the Circleville letters was two different stories that were linked together when Karen Freshour used the original series of letters as inspiration to concoct oh, a plot copycat. to frame. Yeah, the, the, what you were talking about. Where it's like she can piggyback on this thing to get what she wanted. Which seemed honestly, it seems easy. She's like, I'll just, I'll just keep writing letters because there was nothing quite like the first letters with the secrets. Really, all the letters after were kind of just more like vague and threatening,
1: right? And, and you, you ha- like you said, you're, you're, you're piggybacking off the ideas and the information that mm-hmm. was given. So you just assume like it's the same person. Yeah. Just, copy that back tone. just
2: use El Sico a couple times and you're yeah. in, you know, you just do it. Journalist Martin Yant has investigated the story and found another possible suspect that could be the writer of these letters. He discovered that 20 minutes before Mary found the booby trap, another bus driver on Mary's route had seen a suspicious man standing next to a yellow El Camino. The man was at the same spot where the trap would later be found. Yant found that the possible suspect's brother owned the same type of car. So it's like, okay, so now the guy in the El Camino could have been Karen's boyfriend or Paul's brother. The description doesn't match Paul, but again, he has a solid alibi. When Unsolved Mysteries was filming the story, they received a postcard. So, and they were like, this could be anybody. At this point, we're here, we're filming. It's a high-profile case. Everyone just, uh, any eighth grader, sit in a quarry, write a letter, get famous, something like that. So the... Original air date for the Unsolved Mysteries episode is November 11th, 1994. Sheriff Dwight Radcliffe and Mary Gillespie declined to be interviewed for the story. Interesting moment. And then also not mentioned in the segment, Paul allegedly admitted to Sheriff Radcliffe somewhere around this time that he had written between 40 and 50 of the letters. An admission, again, not recorded, again, to this sheriff who I find very questionable. So the identity remains unrevealed. Paul Freshour also had a blog for several years, and he talked a lot on the blog about this and about the case and trying to find out about it. But he never knew the identity or never figured it out, if it was him or not, remains to be seen. The historian Martin Yet that we talked about before suggested that there were at least three letter writers involved in the case, none of whom were Paul. One was the son of the superintendent who Mary had an affair It's just like, keep bringing people in. The son of the superintendent who Mary had an affair with. The second was a coworker who was infatuated with Mary. The third was Paul's ex-wife, Ron Gillespie's sister, Karen. And then the boyfriend of her that was in the El Camino on the day that the booby trap was discovered. One of her relatives had owned that type of car at the time. Despite the evidence, all of this, the police still maintain that Paul was the Circleville rider. Now we'll never know. We'll never know the truth behind
1: this case. They seem to be, that narrative seems to be the one that they're, no matter what. They're
2: really shoehorning it into that. But I, the sheriff to me, like, I don't know how you feel, but the sheriff to me seems like he was meddling a ton. Seems like he, a lot of information was like being, he was the conduit of a lot of very important information that nobody really got or received firsthand, which I found incredibly suspect. But then, yeah, I guess. Karen probably also didn't bring up the letter during the divorce case to, to use it yeah because she was doing it
1: because so yeah, yeah because that's she, why because she if she admitted they could be like well yeah you talked you talked about it and the thing, so you had yeah you you knew enough about it to do it
2: yeah what do you think
1: i feel like just based on this, that, and based on, you know, a lot of people like solving a lot of things and finding a lot of things mm-hmm. way further back than the 70s through the 90s. Yeah. You think we're going to crack this? Oh, they're and, fine.
2: They're back. Fine. We they're missed back. you. We missed you.
1: Uh, maybe they're just they're trying to be like we don't want you talking about it.
2: Yes, yeah, stop it. Shut yeah. your mouth. What if I what if I took a letter out of like my mail pile over here and it was stop talking about it. Columbus, Ohio. Ooh. I know your secret. You had sex with a guy at the pack,
1: and then uh, <laughs> you sent him a pin. Yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, thanks for your support. Yeah. No, thank you.
1: We love you. Mm-hmm. That you. I, I think the fact that you said like the sheriff was you know funneling all the information. Mm-hmm. If let's assume let's pretend that the sheriff is is not in partial. Mm-hmm. If you had an impartial person that allowed other people to have other opinions inside beside, beside mm-hmm. the fact of the, the you know the, the scenario that it was Paul. Yeah. That I feel like it could be a relatively easy solve to find one of the people, mm-hmm. you know, with certainty. Yeah. I just don't see how it, it's handwritten letters. I know.
2: Also at a certain point, maybe someone's just bored and they're like, maybe I'll just talk to people about it. Maybe I'll tell people that I wrote a letter or two. Back in 1984,
1: you know. Yeah, but if if you put all these, I mean, because the letters are were available to see and look at. right? Yeah. I'm sure you could spread them all out and be like, okay, so what do we? What the do we time, got in there? The, the type of paper, the penmanship, mm-hmm. the handwriting, the language. Mm-hmm. Like you, said, you know, you went to a, a thing that's a tell. You know yeah, what I mean? The way absolutely. you curve your some of your letters. You know the way what you punctuate. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like when people type things as comments. There's a certain, I'm sure there are like kind of forensics of like what kind of person, what kind Mm -hmm. of person capitalizes the first letter of every word. Yeah. (laughs) When I see that, I was like, oh. Psychopath. Yeah, sort of. They might not be. but it's too much work. But there's got to be, there's got to be something to be said with that. And that's, all the letters are the same. It's just how Mm -hmm. are you, so when it's handwriting, I feel like. You can analyze that and glean something from Mm -hmm. it. But you also, you can't have a sheriff that's holding on to a lot of information Mm -hmm. and a seemingly like tight-lipped group of people that have motives.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All these people have
1: some kind of motive. Boredom is a motive. Mm -hmm. But also jilted lovers is a huge Yeah, I mean,
2: one thing we do know for certain is Mary Gillespie was kind of a hot commodity. All these guys wanting to know her better. Yeah. Hitting on her. Affairs. Like, what a rich life. Yeah, and I
1: guess people, hmm. I mean, people probably gossip, people talk, so yeah. it's not hard to find the information out. Mm-hmm. But it's it's like everything is evidence. Yeah. It's not just word of, like, somebody yelling, like, hey, don't do that. Yeah. Well, you can't capture that. But mm-hmm. these are, it's just all, it's a paper, you know, it's yeah. a paper trail. It's, it's literally whole, a paper, paper trail. trail. Yeah. yeah, Absolutely. So I I just, if people care enough, I think, put the work in, I'm sure you could probably, like, with hindsight, mm-hmm. get something out of it.
2: Yeah, we even know where the letters are. This also feels like very making a murderer style, bumbling idiot law enforcement, piecemeal shit happening all at once. All evidence is well, lost.
1: Well, I mean, do you have somebody who died? Mm-hmm. And you have somebody who went to prison. So mm-hmm. there are casualties.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And you have people traumatized. You know
1: who made out like a freaking bandit? Stationery stores. Oh just raking it wow,
2: in. Wow, wow. Ohio stationery stores. Just big are the money. real people behind this conspiracy. Need what we down. cracked yeah. it. <laughs>